Hello everyone, welcome back to episode three of the Right Ladder podcast, take two as well. Take two. Yeah, my name is Cal. And I'm Sam. And we are two buddies podcasting and chatting our way through our own personal and professional goals, I suppose, would you say that? I think that's pretty accurate, Cal. Yeah. I'd say so, yeah. I think so. So, um, it's been a while since we've done one of these. It's been a good few months, hasn't it? Now? It has. It has. So episode two was all about setbacks during oh, COVID. Yeah, coronavirus. That was still quite early on in the whole uh, pandemic yeah. situation, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was week week two. It's sort of like the back end of March. Mm. Yeah. And we actually tried to record this episode probably two to three weeks after that. Yeah, that's right. In lockdown over the internet. <laughs> and um, it didn't quite work out, did it? We had yeah, we had a recording malfunction, and although the content was pure solid gold, it, obviously, yeah, uh, it, yeah, it didn't sound good, did it? And no. we don't want to inflict that on people. No, so we're going to try it again now. Now it's been ages since we put one out, so we're now in October. Oh yeah, the last October, one was man. the last one was April then, wasn't it? Yeah, that sounds about right. It's been a strange year, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. You know, the best will in the world. We wanted to do it, but I think other things have just been. Getting in the way a little bit. Definitely mm. being in lockdown and worried about work and jobs and all that yeah, kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. But we're here so, now, aren't we? We are, exactly. So that's almost six months, maybe more than six months, where we've not really done anything. So, well, we have done stuff, and that's what I'm going to ask <laughs> you now. So what have you been up to since we last spoke? Since we last spoke, I've been putting a lot of time and effort into my online stores, which is nothing new. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've recently commissioned 400 designs from this designer in the Philippines. Um, and yeah, she's made me those. Or I think she's about three quarters of the way through making them. I've paid her about 20p, 25p per design she's yeah. made. And I'm hoping to recoup maybe five to ten times that in the long haul, maybe a little bit more. Wow. So it's a bit of a risk, really, you know, mm-hmm. shelling out money to get money back. But that, that's the way you make money, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've been doing that. I've been, pl- I read a book called The Science of Getting Rich, which is another early 1900s um, sort of motivational book. And honestly, Callum, they're all the same, really. They all say the same stuff, which is, Set your goal, focus on it, and don't stop till you get it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, it's a bit of a, um, it's a bit indulgent of me to read so many of these books. Do you know what I mean? Because I already know how to do it. I just like reading about it. Yeah, <laughs> do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So I've read that. I've been playing a bit of Fallout. I've been playing Fall Guys, new PS4 game, multiplayer. Yeah, I forgot we've been playing a bit of that together, haven't we? Yeah, I've been playing that. That's quite fun. Good way yeah. to uh, spend an evening. And then what else have I been doing? Back at work now. Mm-hmm. Um, things are very different we're all, all wearing masks all wearing visors uh, trying to keep safe but ugh, honestly I feel like it's going to happen at my work I feel like somebody is probably going to get it at some point mm-hmm. but we'll we'll deal with that when we come to it you know we, we've, I've not had to deal with anything like this before so that's been a little bit stressful um, but other than that I'd say I'm pretty good really good uh, what have you been up to my friend um, similar, I've done a lot of reading I think over the last, so the, the major setback I had that I talked about in the last episode was having all those applications in for different um, different projects to contribute or work towards my goal. So I filled out the um, application and the whole process to do some work with um, a company down in London for four weeks. Oh, yeah. That fell through, obviously. Oh, I got it, man. Um, I did a, a different application for something similar. It was DocFest. Oh, yeah. So I applied to work at DocFest. That 
Yeah, fell that didn't through. happen, did it? No. Or did it go online? They did some stuff online. It was, so I took part in some um, online lectures and watched some great um, sort of like discussions and Q&As with people. So yeah, I got involved with some stuff on there. During lockdown, I worked with a local charity here in Sheffield, so the Art House. I've heard of them. Yeah, in the city centre, very good. So they, they obviously got shut down, they were furloughed. Um, but because I live, I'm in a bubble with one of the members of staff, Mike, he's the pottery manager. We went in and did a series of YouTube tutorial videos on how to throw pots on the wheel, how to essentially like prepare and knead clay and um, how to hand build um, pots using clay. And we just did a, like a bunch of YouTube tutorial sort of videos. Um, that was really good. Um, and then now, obviously, they've started going back, so we haven't got haven't really got that as a um, an ongoing project um, mm. at the minute. But it, that was that was awesome. So at least I I felt like even though I had all these setbacks and lots of things that I could no longer do, there was something there to help me carry on working towards. Yeah, keep you productive. Yeah, and I've seen some of the finished products, and they are good quality and enjoyable watches. Ugh. Even somebody like me, who's not particularly interested in clay or pottery, you know, yeah. don't don't have a particular affinity, but I still enjoyed watching them. You know. Oh, cool! Very much appreciated. If you want to watch them, just pop over to YouTube and type in. The Art House Sheffield, I think, and they'll yeah, that should do it. I reckon they'll come up for sure. Um, so that was a really good project. We also did um, a quiz, so we jumped on the quiz bandwagon, mm. but that was good. That was the biggest project I've ever done. So that took us like two weeks to make. Did it, man? Yeah, that was that was a big job, but that was good. It kept, like you said, it kept me occupied. And yeah, you need to keep busy. Um, you hear about all these like bus drivers and stuff. As soon as they retire, you know, yeah. they die. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you need to keep yourself moving a bit, don't you? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, that was good. So that was good. <laughs> Um, and then I've just been doing a lot of reading, like tons of reading, like primarily fiction, I would say. Yeah. So um, I've read Earth Abides, which was amazing. If you have, you haven't read that. I don't I've think. not read it. So that was like just a sci-fi book about the end of the world after a virus plagued the world. Wow, very uh, topical. Topical indeed, but it was wonderful. It was a very old, um, very old book that was actually um, used as part of the last of us inspiration is inspiration uh, for the last okay. of us we'll talk, I'll talk about that later on so that's how i ended up coming across this book mm. and the director talked about it i was like right, i'll pick it up and read it and that was great so it was just about a bloke and him watching the rebirth of civilization and the differences between what he what he knew and the fact that people born post-apocalypse shall mm. we say just didn't like don't understand don't get and the way that they live changes it's very very interesting. interesting. Mm, it's really good. Um, so yeah, that's that's that. And then more, more recently, I've been reading what you recommended. Oh yeah, um, love how, this one. How to win friends and influence people. Yeah, I've enjoyed it, and I've stuck to the recommendations in there, and I've not read it cover to cover. I'm sort of mm. reading and practicing that particular sort of. Would you call it a skill? I'd say it's it's more of a, a mindset. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like the book itself, How to Win Friends and Influence People, sounds like, you know, it's a bit of a dark book. You know, you want to win friends, you want to influence people, you want to manipulate people. But in fact, it's the exact opposite. Yeah, I agree. I feel like it, it partly the reason for the title to be like that is to draw in people who might otherwise want, you know, maybe thinking about this sort of dark power mm. route. And when they read it, basically the book's about being a good, honest nice person being a good listener yeah and things go your way you yeah. know 
Um, so yeah, the title is quite deceptive really, and you can see why it draw the wrong sort in, whereas really, it's a really, really good book. It's very good, it's very informative. So I think so far it's just been about, um, what have I been looking at? The one that I've been spending a lot of time on is just looking at how to, is it don't criticise, complain and condemn. Oh it's yeah. It's very, like, it's very easy to get annoyed at someone, isn't it? But actually, it's like, why do they behave that way? What's made them have that opinion, mm. make that decision, whatever, and that's been quite nice to sit and think about. Yeah, it teaches you to like empathise rather than antagonise. Yes, you know? absolutely. If you can put yeah. yourself in someone else's shoes, then you can see where they're coming from, you can not get mad as quick, you can work on a solution, etc. You know. Yeah, and it's been good. It's been, uh, it's been really, really good. Um, so, Callum, when you were telling me earlier you were reading Earth Abides mm -hmm. because the person from The Last of Us, the director, what's he called? Neil Druckmann. Neil Druckmann. So when you said that, that gave me a little idea for a segue. Okay. Because what you're doing there is emulating somebody that you care about, your idol. This book that they've recommended, they've had an influence on you and you've thought, right, I like what they do. I'm going to read this book. Mm -hmm. And that sort of is the topic, what we're talking about today. Yeah, it is. So we had um, our first email. So essentially, it's about influences, isn't it? You know? Yeah, it's about um, our, yeah personal influences and our idols. That's it. Yeah, idols is a bit of a strong word. You know, it's not like literally an idol, but that's probably the best word for it. Do you know what I mean? Someone you idolize, you want to, you like what they do, and you want to be like them. And similar. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. So we had, we were a little bit unsure as to what. We were going to do in the third episode, I suppose. Mm. Quite early on, you mentioned that we wanted to talk about idols in the last episode. And we got an email saying, Hey, uh, I really enjoy listening to the both of you and learning new things. Can't wait for you to learn that there are only 30 days in September. <laughs> so this refers to when I said I will be going part-time by the 31st of September. Oh, big mistake. Completely forgot the number of days in September. Completely forgot <laughs> the rhyme, apparently. Um so I've, I've been recommended to brush up on that, the rhyme, which will be the 30 days of September. Um, but then it was said, looking forward to hearing about the Idols podcast. Okay, so we've got to give the people what they want, Absolutely, haven't we? Absolutely, that was it, yeah. And it says, uh, no doubt Mr. Simon Neal will get a mention, which he will, <laughs> and I will talk about that. So the question that we got asked was, who are your top three idols and why? And this was from Hannah. Oh, hello, Hannah. So that is going to be the um sort of topic of today's podcast i suppose isn't it like yeah, yeah. who are our you you you're better at explaining these things so like why are idols and influencers or inspirations like that so important personally i think when somebody has already done something it's easier for you to do even <laughs> in chemistry when uh, the first time, you know, that these scientists have the eureka moment after trying an experiment a thousand times and finally hitting it, each time after that, they can follow sort of a guideline and get there easier. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, what about, um, what's it called? Alexander Graham Bell, who invented the light bulb. Yeah. Tried over a thousand times to do it. He'd, he'd got his goal in mind. He knew exactly what he wanted to do. And he messed it up countless, countless times. And then he did it. And then once he'd done it, it's done. Once it's been done once, other people can follow him. You can expand on that. Since then, we've had, you know, 
TV. What else do you use light bulbs in? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. everywhere. Absolutely. So one, if you've got somebody you can sort of emulate, emulate their mindset, as you did, Callum, emulate the inspirations like mm-hmm. by reading that book, yeah, yeah. then you can sort of follow that path. And and sometimes it can be even more than that. You can sort of ch- channel their energy. It sounds a bit like spiritual, but it's not. Just like channel what they're all about. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so sort of like seeing how they came to the decisions that they made and their processes and stuff. Yeah. You mean like that? So like when I read that book, I said, right, oh, I can see why he made the decision to cover the theme in this particular way or how he used it. Because he didn't use it loads, but how he used it to get to the end goal. Mm. And I, that for me, I was like, I think that's something that I think really interesting. I'm getting lost in my words no, here. No, but I understand. And I agree. Yeah. I feel like even on a more simple level, you can channel their energy by sort of pretending to be him a bit. Like one of my, jumping the gun here a little bit, one of my idols I'm going to pick is Genghis Khan. Yeah. And uh, sometimes, you know, if I'm knackered, I've had a hard day and I've still got something else to do in the evening, I channel that indomitable spirit mm-hmm. of Genghis Khan and be like, right, if I want to succeed like this person, you know, I'm going to be like this person. And even though I feel like not very good, I'm going to push through 100% because I have something that I want and I will not stop till I get it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that is through the inspiration of somebody else. So that is why idols can be important. And if not important, then at least useful. You get me. Yeah. But first, do you, what about plugging our email address? I want some more emails. Yeah, it was great receiving an email, wasn't it? Yeah, it was it's really cool, man. Like I unexpected it. as well. Mm. No plug-in. So yeah, um, so if you want to send us an email, it is rlpodcast at rightladderproductions.com so that is rlpodcast at rightladderproductions.com so before we get onto the idols mm-hmm. and i do think three is too little we are we are gonna have to talk about more people I think. we'll need some honorable mentions yeah, aren't we probably definitely. um we need to cover the who are we section. It's, My favourite bit, probably. Yeah, I enjoy it. It's, it's good talking about um, the good old times. Yeah, I can't believe we can say times. that. Yeah. <laughs> We're not that old, are we? I know, but the fact that they are good old times. Um, but yeah, sort of the who are we section, still not a catchy title. Um, if anyone's got any suggestions. Yeah, we do need to rethink that. Maybe a little jingle too. Yeah, something. If, it, well, if anyone's got any suggestions, wants to send us a jingle. Um, maybe I'll try and write a jingle. I think you should, Callum. Um, or has a better name for this segment, that would be great. But it's essentially the bit where we talk about um, our relationship and how, where we started. You know, we've known each other, what, 20 plus years? Long time. Yeah, more Easy. than 20 years now, mate. More than 20 years. So it, it's good to. So we liked shooting the, uh, shooting the old stuff about, the, except the good old days. So um, the topic for this week is idols, and it links nicely to this, his, this bit of our history. Uh, and again, really just wanted to talk about our relationship with Metal Gear Solid. Oh, that that game. We spent a lot of time playing that game together as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it, it dominated a large part of my thinking for a good few years of my life. That yeah. game, Metal Gear Solid 1, and then Metal Gear Solid 2, and then Metal Gear Solid 3. I'd say I'd probably attribute three years of mental space to those games. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's quite... When you haven't got to think about those other... We literally were talking about it before we started recording this, didn't we? You know, you don't have to think about the, the adulting. Yeah, when you're at school and, and you, you don't know what's what, you don't know what to do, why yeah. not just play video games? Yeah, and what, what better video game to play in the late 1990s? Underage and shouldn't have been playing it than Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, yeah, we shouldn't have, should no, we really? No, no. Really. So uh, what, what do you remember of those times, like, metal, like... 
I remember Metal Gear Solid 3 being the the most memorable sort of story, which I'll come to. But like starting off with like the very first one, like what can you remember from those times? I remember coming to your house and playing it specifically. I think, do you know what? I think you lent me the demo first. You you had the game, but we weren't hanging out for a little while, for a few days, and I wanted to play it. So you lent me the PS1 demo, yeah. and I played it over and over and over and over many, many times. And then eventually we came to your house, and we played it together. And just the the aesthetic and the experience of Metal Gear was like nothing I'd ever played. No films gave me that feeling. Yeah. You know, like, I'd probably call it the Metal Gear Solid feeling. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like a theatrical, cinematic experience in a video game. Yeah. And saying that now sounds ridiculous because loads of games like that now. Oh, but oh. back then, what game did you play before that that gave you that cinematic experience you know what I mean? Not many. Like you can talk like Tomb Raider, Siphon Filter. You know, similar style mm. games a bit, I but would... not the same. No, you know, they would... don't. Have, they don't have like crazy cyborg ninjas, yeah. and then people getting their arms chopped off, and then you know a guy who's a vampire and you shoot him in the head and he comes back. And yeah, there's yeah, there's a lot going on. <laughs> it was yeah. I, I was gonna say Tomb Raider myself. Like they even Tomb Raider's probably. Let's have a look at the shelf. Tomb Raider was probably the closest before that but even then i mean what i'd have been eight probably when i was playing this and that makes me seven yeah so quite young and probably hmm. shouldn't have been playing it but it was certainly like um the game before playing it was probably crash bandicoot and spyro yeah, yeah i'm with you definitely bit, crash bit bandicoot and spyro Raider, you know a bit of tekken yeah i oh, love me a bit of tekken. i know nothing nothing too heavy but i remember i remember lending you the demo DARPA mm. chief in again and again and again and yeah, again and again. Yeah, that's where it got to. Then it yeah, finished. and then it finished. So I'm playing through it and having no idea what was going on. Not really, you know, no. Not at eight I, years old. No, I knew it was beautiful, uh, yeah. but that's you know. But yeah, absolutely. Like it's silly to say now that like it was this great cinematic experience because everything's like that now. So if you were to go back and play this now as someone who had never played it before, mm. you'd be like, might not be as groundbreaking. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Or what you know, it's. it's it's still very engaging. Like yeah, it's I agree. such an engaging the game. The music as well. Yeah. It's, and it's good. Just the way that they built tension. They've mm. got this bizarre sort of characters and story. And I think that was really, it was just so, what's the word? It's so innovative, like taking your control. Like I got stuck on Psycho Mantis for so long and all I had to do was take the controller out and plug it into a different port nice. and it was stuff easy. like that you know it's so genius isn't it yeah you never saw anything like that really and i think part of it also might be due to like the japanese influence so it's like a western style game yeah. but with a japanese influence you know there's a lot of quirky things going on mm-hmm. that you'd, you'd find in japanese anime and this sort of stuff and that side of things sort of made it more interesting especially to me as like a seven-year-old boy yeah, yeah. um also i was thinking and there's a part where you're getting on the elevator late on in the game and uh, and you found out earlier that four st- uh, stealth camouflage suits have been stolen. So you're on this elevator, like, pretty chill, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it's quite a tense game, especially when, like, I remember saying to you, Calm, these are the best graphics I've ever seen. You know, this was, it's, it's not, but back then it was, and it was real. Yeah. Um, so anyway, you're on this elevator. You're ready to go down. You get a phone call from Otacon, this guy who's your mate, who's looked after you. You met him earlier. And then he's like, oh, this, these stealth suits were sold, weren't they? And then he goes, oh, and then it zooms in in his face. And he goes, Snake, 
there's four people on the elevator yeah. with you and like it, it, and there's like a dun noise that happens and that like it, do you know when you feel your heart in your mouth yeah. you feel the adrenaline being released mm-hmm. it was like oh my god and then you fight him and kill him and it's great but just stuff like that yeah it was like wow nothing else has made me feel that rush i can feel hormones and chemicals being released in my body do you know yeah, what i mean it was, <laughs> it was so exciting and it was like because it was in the codex so you're actually away from the gameplay and it just like his it's face iconic. just pounded. It's yeah. iconic, man. Yeah, it's yeah. iconic. I just don't. You just wish you could make something like that. Do you well, know what? I, I really do. That. I feel like I'd like to. If I can make something that contributes to the world as much as Metal Gear Solid does, then you know I'll be fulfilled. Yeah, it's so cool. I mean, we'll go back to like you sort of. I mean, that's the nineties. It was a long time ago. Yeah, but it like, was. When you were talking about how it took up a lot of your um, thought processes for years and years and years, like a lot of your thinking space, mm. like. The third one, I remember that because I'm like I'm a little bit older than you, and uh, it was Michael, wasn't it? God bless him. Yeah. <laughs> and we we were sort of like the third one was coming out. I was super excited. I remember seeing the demos and downloading the trailers on LimeWire because yep, YouTube yep. didn't exist. No, it didn't. Super exciting. Um, and then going to the shop and only being me. Oh, old yeah, release day. Is it a fifteen? The game. Colin? It was a fifteen, and I was. You were fifteen. Yeah. And I was. I think was I thirteen, nearly fourteen, and Michael was fourteen. Yeah. Is that right? So I think it came out, and I don't know the dates, but it was. It was I, something I, like that. Close I think enough, it was know. just after my fifteenth birthday, anyway. So I think I was kind of like, oh, just. I remember <laughs> being stood in game, all three of us, like just three naive school children yeah, in our school uniform, in you school know. uniforms, and I went, "Can I have this?" Three times, please. Yeah. <laughs> Three copies of this game, please. And he said, I remember him saying, are, the, are you sure they're all for you? And you went, yes. yes. <laughs> and they went, okay. And he just bagged them up and it was like, £100, please. Yes, thank you. And that was it, wasn't it? Just yeah, like, what a legend. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He probably knew. He could have been a bit of a douchebag about it, couldn't he? Yeah. He'd been like, look, you're buying this for these kids, you know, for these mm. underage people. You haven't all got ID. But he didn't, you know, he, I got. I think, I like to think in my heart that he was a fellow gamer. You know, he was going to finish and play Metal Gear yeah. and he did you a solid there. He did. I remember Absolutely. that. Absolutely. It was such well. a good, it was such a good little story, isn't it? Yeah, it's such it a good is, little experience. I remember specifically, like, oh, how are we going to get it? Oh, Calm will have to buy it for us. And you're like, can I have three copies of the game? And then we're there, clearly underage. That's it. it worked though, didn't it? It did, it did. And I mean, that game even, I mean, the last one came out, what, 2015, 2016? Something like so, that. So like Metal Gear 4, that came out, that was that was okay, wasn't it? That came out when we were, I think I was 18. Mm. So literally the majority of our up bringing up our childhood mm. was always about these like next it was always following metal gear i mean i remember being in spain when metal gear 4 came out and i'd go like, oh, we were yeah. on a family holiday and yep. i'd go and sit on their forums and be like no <laughs> and argue like an internet troll with, with the yeah. people and then the fifth one came out so it's literally been there we've been there not for the whole 25 30 years it's been about but mm, not know. far off really no we we joined at the at good time I think, I think so too i think so too there have been some uh less um didn't they release one called like metal gear survive or something like that i've um, not heard good things about that not played it myself no and so yeah we were there for the glory years weren't we i'd say and it was such a shame that it finished the way that it finished however it wouldn't be the same if they'd have finished it properly Mm. you know like it's i know that it doesn't have a definitive end and the whole the whole sort of controversy about him leaving konami and all of that still made that game super special yeah because you know like it didn't ruin it. it it might have ruined it for some people but for me it's like only Hideo Kojima could 
do something that hasn't got a definitive end and like enjoy it, you know. Like. I'm with you. He is a he's truly an innovator. Yeah. Isn't he? Didn't he want to say? I've read something actually, and it was like he said he wanted to make the last boss of Metal Gear Four a a 24 hour fight. So it lasted 24 in-game hours. Something you know? like that, yeah. Um, which is, you know, there's a line between innovation and madness. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but absolutely. at the same time, it's only the people who can sort of toe that line that are the true innovators. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like these mad geniuses. Kojima is a mad genius. Absolutely. And he's, well, him and other gaming individuals are going to be on my idol. So I suppose that was that was why I brought him up. And I thought it'd be good. Because obviously, look at the influence that he's had on both of us. Yeah, it? very much so. So that's the third Who Are We? Again, another gaming moment. But I think those they're important. We had a lot of gaming moments, Callum. That's what it, it is. You know, that's the way it is. Yeah. If you don't want to listen, skip ahead. But yeah. I strongly recommend against it because you're going to miss out on some real gold. Absolutely. So let's move on then to our next bit, which is these idols. But first, you Sam, you have a quote that you'd like to share i do i'm all about the quotes i love these little quotes mm. it's another of my uh, indulgent qualities you know what i mean i remember yeah. all these quotes but they're really they're just quotes aren't they but anyway here is the quote for today or the first quotes i've got about 12 secretly so um this is a quote from george bernard shaw and the quote says imitation is not just the sincerest form of flattering it's the sincerest form of learning and uh, this basically relates to back to what we were saying earlier. Once somebody else has done it, you can learn from them and essentially, you know, do it at twice or thrice the speed. When, yeah. you, when you're breaking boundaries, um, it's going to take you a lot longer. But when you're following some, in somebody else's footsteps, um, it is a sincere form of learning, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So I think following that, uh, it's quite a basic quote, really. We should start with your first idol or inspiration, Callum. Okay. So, I mean, I'll go back to talk about Hideo Kojima as a bit of a, an influence on an idol later on. But I think related to that quote and the whole idea of not copying, but... But, yeah, imitation. Imitation. Hmm. Um, and sort of what's inspiration and what I'd love to be able to achieve or like to achieve is um, it's a dire the director, Martin McDonough, which... You know, he's not a big name out there. Mm -hmm. um, but as soon as I tell you that he directed In Bruges. Oh, yeah. Good film. Seven Psychopaths. Good film. And more recently, Three Billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Have you seen that one yet? No, I haven't. It's, it's good. Wonderful. Is it? Yeah, it's I'll, so I'll, funny. Uh, it's it's a great film. Um, I I think because I'm trying to get into this world of filmmaking, like I'm perfectly aware that making something like that right now is it's a, it's a long game. And I'd love mm. to be working on films like that. But I think why he's such an influence in me and why I love his films so much is that I feel like there's a reflection of me in them in some way and that he focuses heavily on, like, the sad... Like, he makes light of tricky or difficult situations, mm. if you know what I mean. So, like, in Bruges, it's like this guy's... It's quite a dark film. It is, but he then he kind of, like, laughs. It's almost like you have to laugh at yourself in order to mm. sort of get, get around it. Um but he doesn't shy away from the true tragedies that happen. So like, if you haven't seen that film, we won't spoil it, but there's like major tragic moments in it, especially yeah, yeah. towards the end. And um, and it's the same with the other two movies, but they aren't tret in a funny way. Like the other little things that you've got to laugh at. Mm. You have to laugh at these things because it's just life. But then, you know, he will remove himself from that. 
And I think he is kind of, I love In Bruges. I can't tell you how much I love that film. Like, yeah, that's been a big inspiration for you, hasn't it, In Bruges? Massive. I mean, we even, I mean, the first sort of short film I'm trying to make is me, we went to Bruges, we went on holiday there, um, even just for a week, and we stayed in the hotel. Oh, yeah. The hotel. The from hotel. The, film. the hotel from the film that was absolutely amazing. We went to all the major sites. So we went up the belfry. We went and ate in the restaurant. If you haven't seen the film, you need to go and watch it. But we, we went and ate in the restaurant where they were smoking. We went to the bar where even where there was just one conversation that they had in this one bar, we were sat in that bar. And then um, one of the things that I'm working on now is like a little short film that was only made with my cam, like a phone, a couple of mobile phones, is mm-hmm. finding the locations of in Bruges, in Bruges. I just, the, the type of films he makes is what I would like to make. You oh, know, yeah. he would influence me. If someone said to me, like, let's write a film, let's make a film, it would be something like that. And I think one of the, the major things that I take from his style is his, uh, he's not a big Hollywood director. Mm. I would, you know, Billboard's won some awards. I'm pretty sure it won some awards. I couldn't tell you which ones, but he is now up there. But like in Bruges was almost like resource filmmaking was, yeah, I've got a crew and a budget and stuff, but this is a low-budget indie movie, and he's utilised Bruges as a place mm. to make this, like, spectacular, like, just weirdly dark, funny film. Yeah. And it's just him going, like, what can I use and how can I write a story based around this place? And I think he, I think in interviews he even said, like, I went on a holiday and I had this idea. And mm-hmm. like, I think that's brilliant. Like, he's taken an idea and he's stuck with it, and it was just a silly idea that's transposed into yeah it's fulminated into this masterpiece and you know. and yeah i think if if i ever got to the point where um i was making a short film or i worked on a film full stop and i had some control over that that would be the approach that i took is what have i got mm. and how can i make this emotionally weird like it's like stealing like an art I think there's a book out there called steal like an artist yeah. I haven't I haven't got it yet and I haven't read it but just like the quote you were saying there it's like it is like flattery I suppose I'm not too sure what I was just about to say then but like it's take like I would take anything he does and look at how I could utilise some of his style and stuff into the films that I would make yeah, that style in Bruges is quite unique, isn't it? Yeah. And like the fact it is in Bruges is is sort of the central point. It's not defined as the central point specifically, but as he's going around the beautiful city and these tragic and strange and, you know, funny things are happening, <laughs> the fact that it's happening in Bruges is part of what's funny yeah. and interesting. And Bruges is also a really beautiful place. Yeah, you've been, haven't you? I've been to Bruges. I've been yeah. on the tower. Yeah, <laughs> I think we should go We should go back Mate, again. we should, and we should. It's really good. But, yeah, I think it is... It's, it's, <laughs> It is. It's special what he does with it. It's, yeah. it's, I know exactly what you mean, Carl. Yeah. It's difficult to describe if you haven't seen the film. Um, but yeah, I can see why mm. he would be one of your inspirations. And it's cool that he is. I didn't know that you know you were going to pick that guy. It's cool. Yeah, man. I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, so I think one of the things I would say, Bruges is known to be like a boring place. Yeah, that's right. Because it's like, is it a city? I'm going to say it's awesome. I don't know if it's a city. It might be a town. might be a town, but it's it's, it's very small, isn't it? Yeah, like it you is. can literally walk corner to corner in an hour. Yeah. It's not even that. And for him to take this boring city and just turn it into this like hilarious, like sort of like, um, sort of like just these, these events unfolding and stuff every time. <laughs> it's like, boom, it's just excellent. Absolutely excellent. Mm. And Ralph Fiennes is in it as well. Yeah. yeah. So He's got cool. a good cast. So I'm with you. So yeah, him definitely. Um, is definitely someone that inspires me on the, let's say, the um, feature film side. 
as yeah. opposed to like the kind of things I'm doing right now. I'm with you. So, so yeah. that's something you're hoping to work towards. Fingers now. crossed. I'd love to work I on a film happen, like that. Cal. I think it'll happen. Why not? So, you know, let's sort of like play tennis with this a little bit, and let's um, let's hear one of yours. So like. Do your idols and inspirations link directly to that quote? Like, could you do that with all of them? Or I think I could. The The reason why I am inspired or idolise a lot of the ones I've picked is are purely because of, in its purest form, the work ethic. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Just that, like I said before, when I was talking about Genghis Khan, um, well, yeah. he, he, you know, his work ethic, although, okay, he's a murderer, yeah. he's killed loads of people, he's conquered it. the world, but that's not why I like him. I like him because he was a nobody. Yeah. You know, he was um, the brother, I think his brother was um, quite a big deal in their clan, mm-hmm. but still, there were, I think there was over 20 Mongolian clans. And anyway, he basically took them all over through his indomitable spirit. Yeah. And that is what invigorates me. So um, I'm going to pick my first one. I'm going to pick Arnold Schwarzenegger, all right? Right. And he's a bit of a Hollywood cliche, I say, but do you know the full story of him? I do. Okay. So uh, basically, he was born in a very small Austrian town and he wanted to be the strongest. He wanted to be Mr. Universe. That was his goal. So basically, he got up and went to the gym really early and got absolutely ripped and pushed and pushed and pushed incredibly hard until he attained what he wanted to attain. Yeah. And so from that point, after he attained Mr. Universe, then he went on to be in the Terminator, which got him critical acclaim. And then eventually he ended up being the governor of California. So just a little nobody from Austria has pushed and pushed and made something of himself. He's 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 done the impossible, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look um if you look at where he was when he first started to where he is 40, 50, 60 years later, however old he is, like the the uh, contrast or comparison is incredible. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's why I'm going to pick him. Also, growing up, I was a martial artist. I did ten years of jujitsu. You did some women, yeah, well, probably five or six years as yeah, well. You maybe did, you did, yeah. and that was a big part of my um, inspiration growing up. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And also seeing him being a big sort of massive beefcake. I admit, I don't want to be like that, but I was like, do you know what? He's worked hard for that. Mm-hmm. And I've actually compiled. He, he did a YouTube video, and I think it's got a really clickbaity title. It's something I- like. Five rules that broke the internet. I or think some I've seen rubbish it. Rubbish like that, yeah. you know. But mm-hmm. turns out the rules are really good, and Arnold Schwarzenegger is a cool guy. So I'm going to tell you them. Well, man. So his first rule is find your vision. Oh, look, it's everything ever, every book ever about this sort of stuff says set a goal, find your vision, yeah. you know. And Arnold Schwarzenegger knows it, knows it. He got his vision, he set it, and he attained it. First one, find your vision. Next one, never ever think small. Now, this annoys me when I'm talking to people. Mm-hmm. People say, and, and, and you know what? It's natural for people to talk like this. People say, I love this person. I love what they do. I'll never be able to do that. I've literally just done that. That's the first thing people say. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You should not do that. You set your goal nice and high and smash towards it with everything you've got. If you want to. You, yeah. know, you don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. But Arnie knew it and Arnie did it. And now it's in his five rules that broke the internet. The mm-hmm. clickbaity video. Yeah. <laughs> Next rule, ignore the naysayers. Right? Listen to this. When I was 15 years old, I told my mum I wanted to borrow £100 for a Bitcoin mining rig, right? Mm -hmm. And she said, uh, basically, that it was going to be a waste of money. It wasn't a waste of money. I'd be a multimillionaire. And also, when you do try and achieve a project, people are always going to be skeptical. They're always going to be say, oh, are you really going to spend a grand on that? Or, oh, are you going to risk this money? Really? Are you going to risk it? Yes, I am going to risk it. Mm -hmm. Try and stop me. Next one. Yeah. I like that one. Just a bit of a quick set because I 
naysayers is a is a tricky one for me. Like I'm I'm, I'm in the position now where I can just ignore them, but mm. because the, the, a lot of the time the naysayers that I've experienced are looking out for me. Yes, I that's, understand. That's why it's difficult. That's why it's really hard because those people just want me to be safe and secure mm. and don't, don't necessarily understand what you're trying to achieve, which is okay. Which it is, is totally it is okay. okay. It's, it's from a place of concern, like you said. It is. Um, so, um, yeah, that's an interesting one. I've learned now to be like, like, it doesn't matter I'm doing this. And I think their mindsets have changed somewhat in that, no, he's actually like fair play. Mm. And I think sometimes if you ignore a lot of naysayers eventually the respect those people have a higher level of respect for you or whatever you I know think you're right i think you're so. right i think once especially once they've seen that you're not all talk and yeah. that what you've done even though you've ignored their advice you're going somewhere they'll come around a little bit won't they but yeah, yeah that's a very pertinent point it is from a place of concern a lot of the time yeah sorry um, i died I no no this please. is what it's all about man this yeah. is what it's all about and it's okay to be like that it's okay if you want to you know if you if you don't if you are risk averse and if you do want a nice normal comfortable life there's nothing wrong with that that's mm. entirely fine and respectable if you want to have a family and kids you know and that be your life fine more than fine if you raise a good kid and that's your vocation you've done it you've made it you've you're got a su- success you're a success yeah. exactly mm. Um, and also, if you do want to be Genghis Khan, if you do want to take over all the other clans, if you do want to make The Last of Us or Metal Gear or just something incredible that changes the world, then you should do it, you know? Mm. But it's going to take a lot of risk. Yeah. Okay, so we'll, we're going to ignore the naysayers. The next one, he says, it's basic stuff. Work your ass off. Yeah. You know, to do this stuff, you've got to get home after your first job and then keep on with more stuff. You're going to have to sacrifice your free time. You're going to have to sacrifice other things to get what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what you put in is what you get out. There's no more to it than that, basically. Yeah. Um, and then the last one is don't just take, give something back. Now, um, this, I think, applies to um, making how to make friends and influence people. Mm-hmm. The, that book talks about this a lot. And also the book I wrote, uh, the book I read called The Science of Getting Rich talks about this too. And it talks about by giving freely, um, not, not haphazardly, you know, but by giving time, like you've been volunteering for these projects, yeah. you know, charities and stuff. Or by, um, you know, giving money or putting money into places where you wouldn't normally. By doing these things, it affects you as a person. Yeah. You become a more giving person. And whether you realize it or not, other people will. It becomes a part of your personality and then it keeps you going in the route you want to go on. Yeah. Do you know what I mean by that, Calm? Yeah, sort of the way, not the, not the way that I interpret it because I understand exactly what you're saying. But the sort of way I've experienced that is that ultimately giving is going to, return things in abundance to you you've done a lot of projects for charities including the one i work for Callum, yeah. and a lot of the time you haven't got any monetary compensation specifically have you no 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 and uh, you know why do you do that would you say I, I well i think from the i'll have to look at it from two sides i think so if we look at it from what i'm trying to achieve in terms of starting a new career it is doing these things for free in order to reap that return Mm-hmm. So sort of, not necessarily financially, but certainly um, with other work in the future. Yeah, I think that like one of the the things in everything that I've read, and when you listen to other filmmakers or videographers that are trying to um, sort of build their careers, it's it's about do stuff for free, build relationships, be a nice person, give your time, your skills, and your energy to help somebody else, and you will receive some kind of positive return. 
you yeah. know, and that's how you start getting these clients and things like that. So I would still give my time up. Like I'm quite a selfless person. Yeah, you know, altruistic. Like, you yes, are. You I are like I are. like giving back a lot. Um, but at the moment, like that's what I've been doing is is sort of offering my services for free. Let me build a great relationship with you. Let me help solve a problem for you, whether it's whatever it is. Mm. I know a lot of it now. It's kind of you know like the stuff for the art houses. We need to keep our current customers coming back. We need to give mm. them something while they're at locked up, lock, they're in lockdown. There we go. Let me help you. Let's do these YouTube videos or whatever. And and that's actually been like the reward that I've got from that is not any financial gain at all, but mm. I've got a really nice, solid, I would say, relationship with that charity now that I can continue working with. And it's yeah, the same, with, same you. with your work. And you've got experience, you yeah. know, and you've got more for your portfolio. Yeah. So yeah, by giving away, giving freely, you will also receive freely in one way or another. Yeah. I truly believe that. I honestly yeah. do. I, I think it does sound a bit um you know it's not a very physical thing it's a it's a bit of a like a spiritual you know giving you'll yeah. get back the law of return equal returns but yeah it's real man i i believe in it it is and i think the the other thing that i sort of see from giving to people is that like you said people notice you might not necessarily feel those physical benefits or mm. receive any physical benefit but but other people start looking at you as someone who has the right values or has the you are the person that they want to engage with, however you decide to give to them, mm. if you see what I mean. I do, I and, know exactly what you're you know, saying. People talk about you in a positive light and you start having this positive... Oh, no, I can't really no, describe no, it. I know, I know exactly what you're saying. And it is, it is real and it is legit. And when you talk about it, it sort of starts to sound like you're being selfish, like you're just giving away to get back. Whereas really, it's not like that. And also, if you do end up creating something truly marvellous, like in Bruges, yeah. by sort of giving that to the world, that is an incredible, you know, it's like contributing to the culture of the world. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a very difficult thing. It's because, you know, we only see life in the day-to-day. -day. It's hard to look at the big picture. Yeah, it is. But anyway, Arnie says, yeah. um, he says, don't just take, give something back. So there is five rules. I've saved you 15 minutes watching the clickbait video. Yeah. Um, and I think we'll leave him there for now. That was my number one. So, so he, Okay. So he's your number one. He's my number one for now. Um, my number two, I'm not going to, but I was going to do Genghis Khan. But I feel like I've sort of done him as well. So I'm going to pick someone else. But let's yeah. do your next one first. Who we got next, Callum? Oof, I think we'll talk. We'll have to have an honourable... Now, is it an honourable mention? I'll, this is a two-in-one, and again, it's <laughs> I down. did a two-in-one, you've you done do a two-in-one, okay, cool. fair enough. So I think um, we've talked about Hideo Kojima. Yep, special um, man, innovator. Very, very, very special man, um, and it's that word, it's the innovator in him that I just think. Hideo Kojima is the biggest, bravest, boldest individual in an <laughs> industry that is nowadays a lot more focused on the business side of it. Yeah, generating profit. Yeah, all right. So we'll not go into that, but... He is absolute, like an incredible creative. And I think generally in 1999, I mean, I know that the first two came out in like late 80s, early 90s, but like no one knew that they needed Metal Gear until he made it. <laughs> You're right. Colin. All, all You're the right. games before it were just games, yeah. Yeah. just uh, mindless entertainment. Whereas these, that, that game was just so, it was just so, what's the word? Innovative. It was, it was a new genre, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was a new genre. It was the, the cinematic genre video game genre let's 
call it. I suppose you know it had it's got a narrative. It was a relatively well purely linear game. Yeah, the stealth espionage it had never been done like that before. All of that stuff, and no one knew that they needed it. Mm. So like his backstory was like he worked on I can't remember the name of the game, which I should do, but it was essentially like a penguin skiing game that Konami <laughs> made in the late 80s. Mm. And that was like the first game that he'd worked on. But he's, I think he, he said, no, I want to make something that is new, innovative, different. And he loves movies. Like, he, you, you know, if you read anything or, you know, talk, you're not going to talk to him. If you mm. read anything or watch any videos or anything about him, he's always watching movies. He watches an, at least one movie a night. So he spends like two hours a day watching movies. And he was like, I need to make a video game that's like a movie mm. and i think it it got turned away um it was sort of like don't be silly we don't have the budget for that this is too risky someone said yes to him and now look what we've got we've mm. got 25 well 30 years worth of these these amazing games that were just so innovative for the time and it was all because he was persistent yeah with his vision and what he wanted to achieve and he achieved that and he, he's got, you know, that entire franchise was going to go on and on and on and on until he decided he wanted to leave, which is how it, you know, how it all transpired at the end. Um, and even through all of that, he continued to innovate with little things within his, in his structure, in the format that he'd made. And even then people were saying, no, don't do that. So like we talked earlier about the swapping the controllers around. Yeah. That had never been seen before. And Metal Gear 2, we all went in thinking we're going to play Snake again. We yeah. played Snake for about an hour and he <laughs> went, do you know what? You're not. You're going to play as this new character that you're all going to hate and grow to love gradually it's over true. the next 15 years. And you did. Um, the third one, the camouflage and stuff like that. Yeah, it was cool. Um, how to beat some of the bosses you had to like. Yeah, didn't the boss like have bees inside him or something? Yeah. One of them, one of them was... The, what was he called? We've got the, the fury. Pain, the pain, the, the fury. End as the well, end. The way you can kill so the end. how innovative was that? You explain it, Carl, so, so I feel like people will be interested. Um, I'm the cheater of this, actually, as well. But did you do it? Go I did. So, <laughs> essentially, there was three ways to kill him, I think. Yeah, that's three. right. That's right. So, it was an old old man. Yeah, really um, old man sniper. An old man sniper who was in a wheelchair that slept until he was required. Very yeah, bizarre. Basically, yeah, he was also part of, like, he had some jungly stuff going on, yeah. didn't he? He was, like, yeah, part yeah. of the jungle, a bit leafy, a bit buggy, you yeah, know, absolutely. stuff like that. So you could kill him by um, facing him outright. He was yeah. a sniper, so yeah, you like had to sort of... Battle. Yeah, so you had to stealth through and get to the back and sort of, like, come behind him, and you could do it that way. You could kill him earlier on in the game, like, it was kind of, like, post-cut scene. You could get him in the distance. Yeah, like, there's, like, a three-second point. Literally, like, a fraction, a hair of space. And if you got it, you perfect. Could, yeah, you could kill him in one, and that entire section is gone. Yeah. What genius, you know. Absolutely brilliant. It was unnecessary. Yeah. You didn't need to put it in. No. Nope. And then what about the third way? Can the way I? that I did it. <laughs> <laughs> Basically changed the date on the clock so he died of old age. Yeah. <laughs> it's just brilliant. Like, who does that? I don't know. So, yeah, if you if two weeks pass in the game, if no, two weeks pass in real life. Yes then he just dies of old age because the fight is quite a difficult one. Yeah, you know? it's very hard. Um, so, yeah, you can just skip the clock two weeks forward and he'll just die <laughs> of old age and that's the end of the fight. He just walked past it, which is a cop-out, but I had to do it. Yeah, I had to yeah. do it. I, had I, to I don't blame you, man. It's and cool. It, it, yeah, that was just wonderful. That's I mean, very Kojima, isn't it? It is. It is super, super Kojima. Um, and I think there wasn't much around Mel Gear 4, but like, and just in general, like those are just three examples of many things that he's done that have just been bold and just, I'm doing it. People have been a little bit unsure about the risk and we're talking about, you know, yeah, yeah. take those risks, it will pay off. And I mean, Death Stranding, like... 
That is. Have you played it yet? No, I haven't. No. But I've I've seen. You know, that is a very unusual game, yeah. isn't it? It's a video game where you literally walk from one place to another, delivering parcels. Yeah, walking simulator or whatever. But, but it's not, is it? No, There's Royal Mail it. Simulator. But there is there is <laughs> there is so much more to it. And someone said yes to that. Like he pitched, mm. I want to get Norman Reedus from The Walking Dead, and I want people to walk from one place to the other with parcels <laughs> obviously there's a deeper meaning to it it's a lot more thematic but you know sony said yes you can do that and it's not for everybody no like, i understand and i don't think i could play that again mm. but it was an experience like no other yeah and it took him to say that's what i want to do and i'm going to do it it's mad it's bonkers but it's amazing so you sort of admire him not just for his incredible influence but also for this level of persistence yeah Absolutely, and you know, people, people like he gets standing like he is this person in that industry, who people stand up for. Like there was the he got Konami said you are not allowed to attend the video game awards one year, mm. and literally some controversy, weren't there? Yeah, massive. So he wasn't allowed to go. And Jeff Keighley, he was like who was hosting it. It's like Mr. Haji, Mr. Kojima can't be here anymore. And literally the entire crowd, and this was like game developers from every corner <laughs> of the earth, were just booing. And booing that this guy, this absolute maverick, wasn't allowed to go. He could go the year after, but it was just that year mm. because he wasn't allowed to win. He wasn't allowed, wasn't allowed to receive the awards for that game. Yeah. But he didn't care because then the next time he came out, stand innovation, there he is, this master, this absolute like idol in the gaming industry, mm. all because of his persistence and his risk-taking. Wow, he's truly a master of his craft. Absolutely. Incredible. And I was fortunate enough, I will put a picture up on the Right Ladder Instagram, yep, I think. Yeah, good idea. Um, but unfortunately, you couldn't come. No, you met him, didn't you? Come? I went and met him, and it was the best the best thing ever. Like, That's I cool, can't, like, I was in this room with this guy, and I couldn't... All I said to him was, thank you. We only got like 30 seconds a minute with him. I had a photograph taken, mm. but just being in the room with him, and Yoji Shinkawa, who is the art director. So if you see any Metal Gear artwork, it's it's his. Mm. They've worked together throughout the entire sort of series, I think. Just being in a room with this guy was just like, oh my Magical God. experience. Magical experience. I'll never, ever, probably never meet him again. Mm. Nothing like that will ever happen. But I just thought, this guy, this guy has done so much for me and my friends. <laughs> and, you know, it was unlike anything. And all I could say to him was like, thank you. Just thank you. It was unbelievable. That's been it. So Hideo Kojima, what an excellent choice. Yeah. What a really good choice for it you, is. Colin. Can't and, think of anyone better. And then, so yeah, absolutely wonderful. Like, I love it so much. I mean, I don't... I don't yeah, anyway, he's, he's, he's wonderful. Um, and then the second one was Neil Druckmann. And I think this is because... This is more so since playing The Last of Us 2. Oh, yeah. Now, you haven't played it. I haven't, no. So we'll not go into it, but the sheer... Um, literally the same thing like mm. he pitched an idea this idea could have been turned away but it wasn't it was accepted he did it it's an absolute masterpiece mm. it's not what anybody wanted but again it's what we needed I'm with you. to shake up the industry he's made a piece of art that's shaken the industry and someone's gonna have to make something you can't make anything that's not that anymore mm. and i was saying to you before this podcast like i am struggling to play the games at the minute now because this thing was just such an epic yeah nothing compares to it um, and I don't know, I think your opinions will... will... Yeah, I'll reserve judgment for now, but the yeah. first one, obviously, is a very special game. Absolutely. like you know. Yeah, and again, I think with Neil Druckmann, it's, it's more of his narrative storytelling. The mm. fact that he has taken a medium and he has... Like, he he um, actively sort of commends Hideo Kojima quite a lot 
for yeah. his narrative storytelling. Um, but I think it's, I love how he has stolen like an artist. I you like know, it. going back to our quote. He's taken what he likes. He's taken... Yeah, he's taken what he likes and he has formulated it into his own creation. He has improved upon that and he has used his influence to make something that is an absolute masterpiece. Mm. Like the first one is quite far. I mean, like we've been saying Metal Gear is the best thing ever, but actually I will probably say Last of Us is better than Metal Gear Solid, but for, yeah. a, different, but for a different reason because it has improved upon the formula. Mm, you know? I understand. I um, with you, man. And... We know the way that he takes things like Earth Abides, the premise of Earth, Earth Abides is only really used in it a tiny, tiny little bit through some of the collectibles. Mm. So the Ish character, it's all based on that. But then as you get to the end of the first one and you see Jackson, you start to see, oh, right. He, so he's, he's actually been influenced by the rebuilding of society as, a, as opposed to survival. Because, yeah, it's survival, but that book is focused heavily on um, rebuilding. Okay, Not, so you can see his influence coming yeah, through absolutely. once you know it. And it's kind of influenced me to realise, you know what, you can do what other people do. It's mm. just, you know, copying and is different to utilising. Yeah, I agree, I you agree. Know. So I won't go into him too much more because that is kind of... Um, yeah, we get the idea. I'm, I'm, I, you've, done, you've given two excellent examples yeah. of people who inspire you and they do sound like worthy idols to me. Mm. And they'll know? inspire my work going forward somehow. But you know, I don't think you'd like to. You don't necessarily see how those inspirations. You don't. But at the same time, by having, having an idol like that is kind of like setting a goal in mm. itself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like looking at them, it helps you visualise what you want to some yeah. extent. You know, not, not specifically but it can give you an idea once somebody has trodden that path in fact that segues lovelily into my next little quote I'll Go just give it you very quickly it's a Confucius quote by three methods we may learn wisdom first by reflection which is noblest this is a bit that's relevant second by imitation which is which is easiest and third by experience which is the bitterest okay. Confucius so that is a very very old quote and you can see if you break it down the third by experience is you know, breaking boundaries, making mistakes, getting somewhere, making a business, having it fail two years in, that's the bitter experience. Yeah. Learning wisdom by reflection is essentially realizing the mistakes that you would make without making them. Do you know what I mean? So if yeah. you, if you, it's like foreseeing something and that is noblest because you don't have to make these mistakes. But mm -hmm. the one that's based, the one that um, relates to what we're talking about today is imitation. And he's right. Even Confucius all that time ago said imitation is easiest. Mm -hmm. Once those people have taken those groundbreaking steps, then you can follow in the footsteps, can't you? Yeah. You get what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And there's no harm in it. It's not, you know, you're not copying this person no, directly not. or taking their... Taking it and doing it yourself no, and you're not. claiming it's, because it because a car own. uses a wheel, you know, it doesn't mean they're copying the wheel, does no, it? Absolutely. But the wheel was essential for the car. You know, these films that Kojima watched were essential for Metal Gear. Yes, you get me. You yeah. dig me. Absolutely, I Good. love it. So have you, so we've done. I've done three there, but have you got another one? Have uh, you got so another? yes, I've got another one. I was going to say Genghis Khan, but I spoke about him. You get the picture. Yeah. So instead, I'm going to stray from my notes. I'm going to say Will Smith is another one of my idols. See, I feel like people might misunderstand me when I'm picking these big celebrity figures, but I'm picking him for a very specific reason. And the reason I've picked Will Smith is he told a story once that when he was a little boy, him and his dad and his brother 
um, were working together in the garden one day and there was a really, really long brick wall in the garden. His dad had Will Smith and his brother tear down this wall and they tore it down in one day. Only took one day to tear it down. Then the dad said, right, you two are going to rebuild this wall. And Will Smith said, um, no, he said, you two are going to rebuild this wall and you can do it every day until it's done. Um, a couple of hours a day or something. And Will Smith was despairing. He was thinking, man, we're never going to get that done. It was a massive wall. They didn't know how to build, you know. Mm. And he, he said he, he literally cried because it was such an amount of work. But over a year and a half, him and his brother building this wall brick by brick, literally building a wall. A year and a half later, the wall was built and stood in front of him, marvelous, majestic and doing its job. Yeah. And he said that is what showed him, you know, as at a young age, how to build and get to what he wants. And on day one, it seems like a mountain of work. But then a year and a half later, he's done it. Mm-hmm. And he has used that in his life philosophy in order to get where he was. And if you look at his life, you can see, you can watch some very early interviews with him. And he says, first, I want to get into some jokey TV shows. Then I want to be a rapper. Then I want to be in Hollywood. And then from then on, I can do whatever I choose and that is, is is exactly what he did. Yeah. There's another quote which is relevant to that, which is, we overestimate what we can do in a day, but we underestimate what we can do in a year. So basically, you might say, right, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm, I'm starting going to the gym. I'm doing it. I'm too fat. I'm going to the gym. You'll go to the gym in a day. You'll smash it for you know as hard as you can. And then after that, it'll peter out. You know. Mm-hmm. But instead, if you go to the gym two hours a day, three days a week for a year... Do you know what I mean? There's such a massive difference. You you won't be able to imagine, not not because you're a fool, <laughs> you won't be able to mm-hmm. imagine the difference it can make if you are consistent and persistent over the course of a long period of time. Mm-hmm. But it's difficult because when you start on that first day, you can't see any results. No. You know, you can't see, no, in no. my personal business that I started, my first month's revenue, and I must have put 30 hours of work in the first month, was 77 pence. It was discouraging, but I remembered Will Smith's life, life philosophy, I'm not I'm not saying his you know his, his work is amazing or this or you know I'm not, that's not why I like him. I like him because of this persistence. My first month's revenue was 77 pence. My second month's revenue is 10 pound. Um, 24 months later, my monthly revenue is between 400 500 pound. Do you know what I mean? And this is passive. I don't have to have a hand in it anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. I pick Will Smith because of his persistence, because of his vision and moving towards it. And uh, yeah, that's why I've decided to pick him. When you when you explained like he wanted this and then he wanted this, you can see it. You got Fresh Prince, <laughs> then you had like the wild like ninety the nineties with Willennium and the yeah, rap albums yeah, that he did. Getting jiggy with it, all this. Yeah, of... my Miami, Wild Wild West, yeah, Men in yeah. Black, all of that, and now he is the Hollywood hero. He is, and now he's afforded that freedom. He could do whatever he wants, couldn't yeah. he? He's got the money, the status. He's in a he's got a lovely family. Probably, I don't yeah. keep up with anything no, celebrity no. related, you know. But he, he just followed his set goal and made it every step of the way through persistence and hard work. Mm. And that is why I admire him. But I do feel like my choices aren't quite as interesting as yours, Callum, because all mine are basically somebody who worked hard and they got where they want. But I think <laughs> but I, I, I think it's a nice contrast, though, because what you're saying is applying to the people that I'm talking about. Yeah, so, you're right. You know, they, they all have the same vision. That, well, they are they are interesting, but I suppose yeah, I'm not interested in the personality really. I'm not yeah. interested specifically in Will Smith's work. Fresh Prince was great, you know, good, yeah. good, good. That's not what I'm interested in really. Mm-hmm. For my third one, I will pick somebody who I am interested in the work to spice it up a little bit. So okay. number two, keep it simple. 
Will Smith because he's a hard worker. I don't care if his son says stupid stuff on Twitter. I don't care, you know, if he does some controversial films and stuff. That's not what I'm interested in. I'm interested in that graft. Yeah, and he got there. Yeah, Yeah, he's got there. He's yeah. got there, and yeah, and that story is quite powerful—the building of the wall, you know—and mm-hmm. that you you can't you overestimate what you can do in a day, but underestimate what you can do in a year. It is just dead on, you know. It is bang on. Uh, I personally, I struggle with the daily stuff. Like I overestimate all the time, massively, what I can get done in a in a day, mm. and I often disappoint myself, and I often feel deflated in that day because I haven't done any like i've got my sort of doing my little quotations like anything mm-hmm. in that day but i have so we we're talking about it earlier you know i might listen to a podcast um that's an hour long and make some notes or whatever but i don't see any result and i'm like well have i just wasted an hour i've not done anything productive towards my goal but actually i have i'm with you it's it's see that's not your fault calm that no. is a flaw of us as human beings yeah. do you know what i mean yeah yeah it's so much easier to look at what you can see in front of you but mm-hmm. the people who get rich get what they want are the people who can see that a little bit ahead you know which does lead nicely into my... Oh, perfect. Another little segue. My third and final one. So it is, I'm going to say it is a band, but I'm going to focus on sort of... It's not just a band to you, is it? No, no, no. So, (laughs) you know, anyone that's listening to this, I suppose I'll probably talk about them time and time again. My favourite band of all time ever is Biffy Clyro. Like, you don't really listen to them much, do you? Not specifically. No, but they are my, like... I want to say bread and butter in terms of music. Like, whatever they do whether I think it's the highest quality ever or the lowest or whatever, I still think it's good. Like mm. every song they have written, I have liked in some capacity. Um, you know, my favourite band at one point was Him. Oh yeah, Classic, back in the day. Love Metal. And yeah. I thought they will be my favourite band forever. And then these guys came along and just, mm. I think they came along at a point where I was maturing, like turning into a young adult and it was removed from that sort of teen angstiness yeah 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 we were angsty teenagers we were very angsty teenagers (laughs) so yeah my favorite band are biffy clara and that they have been going like a lot of people only really know them now from the last let's say 10 years Mm -hmm. or so so puzzle came out in 2008 which was like their breakthrough album um and they've literally just released a new one like two months ago or something Mm. um but they've been going since the mid 90s so nice. they have been working at becoming one of the biggest bands in the UK for 25 years. It's a long time. You know, and um, they are finally where they want to be. But they are an example of what you've just said, aren't they? You know, yeah, they are. I agree. Absolutely. Um, and like, this two, like, I want to talk about Ben Johnson, the drummer, sort of a little bit more. So in general, like Biffy are one of these longevity things. They have sought success over time mm-hmm. and they've got to where they want. But the drummer especially... He is, um, he's not classically trained. None, in fact, none of them are classically trained. But as a drummer, it's quite hard when you weren't having lessons to teach yourself when, you, mm. when you're young. And he basically did the same thing. He, he's come out a lot and said, I've never had lessons. No, I've taught no YouTube myself. back then either. No YouTube. He just taught himself and he just played what he could to fit the songs at the time. Mm. Um, and he just kept practicing, 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 getting better and better. And now look where they are. And it's actually his style there's another drummer as well, so Jordan Hastings from Alexis on Fire, like the two main drummers that have influenced my style are those two. Mm. And part of it is that DIY aspect. Like I am a completely self-taught drummer. Yeah. Um, I've had a handful of lessons, like when I was younger at school and very good drum tutor, but I couldn't afford it. So it was like, well, that's, that's it. Or we couldn't afford it. My mum couldn't afford to pay for them. So I've taught myself. And it's all down to, um, down to them really. But I would say that they are my third influence 
that, for, that's for a sure, choice. you know. And also this sort of self-taught drumming stuff, that is an example of this persistence, you mm-hmm. know. You you want to learn drumming, oh, somebody can't afford lessons. You could just be like, mm, can't afford lessons, can't be a drummer. No, you made your own circumstances. You're like, right, can't afford lessons, I'm going to teach myself. Yeah, Do you know I, what I mean? Yeah, I literally used to sit in our, my old house up Meadowhead. Yeah, in, I remember? Big, in the big room, I used to sit before I even had a drum kit with a couple of pillows and I just play along with like Metallica, and this was mm. two thousand and three specifically because <laughs> I can remember saying anger coming out, being this is rubbish, yeah. <laughs> and just playing along on these like pillows. And now, you know, I've got a nice, lovely electric drum kit, and it's it's like a passion that I pursue in my um, spare time. You know, that's me. Yeah, I think they're my three influences. I think I've talked. My... I think they're good, Colin. I think they're really good. I mm. think you've uh, you've put a good case forward there, mate. Yeah. And also, I love these stories of persistence. I'm such a fiend for, you know, for these sort of stories. I remember hearing a long time ago when I first started on this sort of, you know, path of deciding what I want to do and doing it, that um, it's like a little story and it's like you want something in life. You call it knocking on life's door, let's say. So first, when you start knocking, life says, who's that knocking it this time? Oh, just ignore it. And then imagine you just keep knocking. And eventually they're like, they're still knocking at the door. They're still knocking. They've been knocking for ages. Oh, they'll go away eventually. It's been three hours. You know, imagine it's 11 o'clock at night. Someone's been knocking on your door for three hours. Either you're going to open that door or you're not going to get any sleep. You just have to keep knocking on that door. Yeah. You know, no matter what happens, you can't you can't afford drum lessons. You need to make your own circumstances. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally, 100%. I feel like I've done a lot of that. Yeah, I think you have as well, Colin. And I think we both have, and it's... I don't think you always see, like. I think it's taken me or us to have the conversation of what are we going to talk about this week mm. for me to realise just how much of an influence these people have had. Like, I think you're much more aware of it, mm. aware of you know how they've influenced you, and you are sort of embodying those yeah, pra- the principles, the principles and practices. It's taken me to have this discussion and think about it to go. Oh, do you know what? No wonder I am the way I am because of these people. Yeah, you know? I'm with you. I'm, so, glad, I'm glad you've realised that. Mm. You know, Sometimes you do have to think about it a little bit. You do. And we, we're quite different as people, aren't we? Like mm. like looking at the the sort of the how things work is, is not what I'm interested in specifically. I don't care how chemicals react together. I don't care how a good film's made all the time. Yeah. I care about how everything is achieved, the natural laws of the universe and all this sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, do you know what yeah. I mean? That's what I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. And it stands me in good stead with some things, but like with you, Callum, you have a lot more technical knowledge in the things you care about. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, okay. But I think that's yeah. because maybe you're a little bit more creative than I am. Do you know what I mean? You've always done this drumming. You've always been, you love Metal Gear. I love Metal Gear too, but for you, it's sort of triggered these things. You're like, oh, I want to do this film like in Bruges. I want to take this, I want to take this. Yeah. That hasn't happened for me. I'm more of a more of a strategist. Yes, do you know what I mean? I, yeah, I agree. And I, <laughs> I think I get a lot more emotionally fueled by a lot of these things. Yeah, I think like, you're right. That day I was in that room with Hideo Kojima, like, this is just some bloke. <laughs> this is just a little bloke. <laughs> It's like in a room that's blacked out with a light and he had a picture taken, you know, and I was just like in awe. You should be like, why did I feel that? And I'm sure you would have felt the same. I would, I would, but we're different, aren't we? Yeah, and I think I take a lot of those. Like I listen to music, like I listen to music from like Imbruge and stuff and I listen to the um, music from the games and stuff and even that sort of fuels. Yeah, it has a powerful effect on you. Yeah, so there's a piece of music in The Last of Us 2. There's two pieces actually specifically that I hear. Whenever I hear them, I just have to sit and... (laughs) <laughs> you appreciate and you'll, yeah, and you'll know. A. Yes, absolutely. So 
We have been talking ages, but you've still got one more. Have we? Oh my goodness. I know. Okay, I'll, I'll be quick with this last one. I've decided to pick this last one to switch it up, and also because he had such a massive influence on my day-to-day -day life. I'm picking Dr. Richard Bernstein, who is also not on the notes. I'm picking doc Dr. Richard Bernstein, who is currently the oldest living type 1 diabetic. Oh, right, okay. Um, so basically... He's got a really interesting life story. I'll give you a very short summary. Um, he was diagnosed type 1 diabetes around early 20s. And back then, there was you were given insulin in a vial and they tested how your blood sugar was through your pee and nothing else. No numbers, you know. Mm -hmm. And over time, his blood sugar was really bad. He never knew how to control it. Nobody did. You know, they were lucky to be alive, essentially. And he got complications over the next 10 years. But then something happened. A, a meter came out so that you could see what number your blood sugar was. And then he took it upon himself to say, right, this is going to become my life. I'm going to make my blood sugars as perfect as possible and document every step of the way. And he has done that. And he's written a book about it. And from reading that book, I have essentially taught myself how to keep very stable blood sugars um, without having to sort of um, risk any physical damage. So essentially, okay. if, yeah, if yeah. you're... I'll, I'll not go too deep into it, um, but... If you eat sugary food, carb-heavy carb food, your blood sugar will spike, even if you use insulin too. Mm -hmm. um, and if you essentially, the, the, um, the, the head and tail of it is, if you don't eat these foods, if you eat foods with not many carbs in, you get off the roller coaster of high and low blood sugars. You just maintain a nice medium. And this man doing that, dedicating his life to it and documenting it, has made my life bearable, tolerable, mm -hmm. um, I don't have to worry as much. I don't have to check my blood sugar as much. And uh, yeah, that to me, you know, is incredibly powerful. It's literally changed how I live day to day. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is probably my comparison to your artistic influences. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, he has literally influenced every hour of every day of my life. And it's mm -hmm. made it a lot, lot easier for me. I'm going to talk a little bit more about diabetes and management and this sort of stuff, even though it's incredibly boring, but it could also be useful to some people, like when you're talking about the mindset. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I'll talk mm -hmm. about that on another one. But yeah, he's going to be my number three, Dr. Richard Bernstein, the oldest living type 1 diabetic. I think he's currently 86 years old. And and you know what? That's pretty good for a type 1 diabetic. Yeah. You know, like it's meant to shave at least 10 years off your life and um back when it was first discovered type 1 diabetes they they wouldn't live to like 40 years old do you know what yeah. i mean so i've got this incurable disease and because of this man i can live a almost normal life you know and do you know what i'm grateful yeah yeah I bet. <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah because when when we're hanging out and chilling you know I don't have to worry about things. We've just been sat talking for hours on end and, I, mm -hmm. you know, I'm all right. If I if people hadn't done stuff like what he's done, then I would be in a very different position, you know? Yeah. And it's just people who do, who do stuff like that, you know, who really focus on the craft and improve it for everyone else. You know, that's why we do it, man. We're contributing yeah. to humanity. Mm -hmm. Whether it's making Metal Gear or learning about diabetes or making Caramel Dancing, you know that song on the internet? No. So it's not it's not an amazing song or anything. Um, it's like a, a niche Japanese song somebody made for a laugh, essentially. Went viral and it's changed the world. There's memes based on it. What I'm trying to say is we're all contributing to a massive whole. Yeah. W, not a H, you know, not a whole, yeah, like yeah. A, a whole. We're all contributing to the whole. And I feel like that's what life's kind of about. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Anyway, number three, Richard Bernstein saved my ass, basically. 
He's a good lad. Very cool. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a great one. I did not know you were gonna throw that one in there. No, I bet you didn't. I only decided on the way here. Wow. So Excellent. yeah, not on the notes. Honorable mentions quickly. Go Jackie Chan, yeah. who's similar to Arnie's story, brought up in a, in a Chinese opera school, um, wanted to be a big shot and became one, essentially. Yeah. Um, his book, Who Am I? Very good book. Another honourable mention is my dad. He's, do you know what? Growing up, he's he's always set me on the right path. Always, always, always. Everything he's told me to do. Didn't come to him for advice very often specifically, but he just put me in places where I'd move. Like He'd just pick me up and be like, no, just put me on the right path again. Do you know what I mean? I'd keep straight and he'd be like, for example, he started me up doing jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was moving out, he gave me some sage advice that I was young and headstrong and, you know, but he gave me just the right amount of advice so that I would be in a place I want to be. And I appreciate that, you know, mm-hmm. like making mistakes at essential points, um, you know, it can impact your entire life. So I'm not going to it, but I appreciate him. He's a good man. Yeah, I will, I'll second that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Simply because I think I've not really had a stable... I would say that your dad is probably the most stable male figure I'm I've with had you. I'm in, with you, I think. in my life. Um, I won't go into those details, but, you know, I would be at your... Like, literally, a lot of these things are probably happening while I was, like, sat there with you. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's true. Having, we spent a lot of time together, didn't we, yeah, growing up? Yeah, absolutely. And I would, um, yeah, I would second that. The great man, your dad. Yeah, he's a good and man. I would, good man. I'd still thank him for... Even if he has done it on purpose or not, like, there are things that he will have done and said to me that have probably made a big difference. I'm with you. He's, and life. he's quite a modest guy, you know. You, yeah. can't, you can say thank you, but like, oh, it's okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're like, you've changed my life. You've sorted me out. You've done me good. You're like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, great, man. Yeah, I appreciate him. So that's the end of this podcast, I think. I think so, too. It probably should have ended like half an hour uh, yeah. ago, but um, yeah. yeah, it's been a good one, man. It's been good having a chat. It has. It's been a while, you know. But we, Like we said, we tried this one once and it just didn't go great. It didn't mm, work out. Yeah. Did it? But it's good now to be actually be in the presence of one another. Yeah, it's nice. It's doing, so long. Doing a lovely, lovely podcast. So we've talked about influencers and idols and how you can harness their mindsets. Yeah, mindset. Their their focus. Their, yep, focus. Ethic, persistence, or even influence, you know, like mm-hmm. the the actual uh, the stylistic choices. That's There's it. a lot of different things you can take from it. So thank you very much for listening, if you have indeed listened. We've, <laughs> we've had a good time. If you got to the end, me. congratulations. Yeah, this is the longest we will have probably done. Yeah, probably. We'll see when it's all completed and edited mm. and down and whatever. If you do want to send us a question um, or an email, because we did really appreciate it, um, or you have something that you would like us to talk about yeah a new topic could be good or any topic uh... yeah yeah um send us an email on rlpodcast at rightladderproductions.com that is rlpodcast at rightladderproductions.com and find us on instagram or find rightladder on instagram that's where we put podcasty stuff i put things up on there maybe you should stop giving me some stuff to put up on there i might actually. do calm that's yeah, a good idea a nice i do see some good stuff you know mm. got a lot of screenshots and pictures on my phone that i like get them sent and i'll stick <laughs> them up there and i'll put the picture of me with hideo kojima up on the uh, get right ladder straight away mm-hmm. <laughs> i'll put that on the right ladder podcast probably the day that this goes out cool okay but thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next time yeah not as long this time there no no as no. much as a gap you know no Awesome, right? Well, thank you, Sam. Thank you very much, Carl. It's been a pleasure. Been a pleasure. Bye-bye. See you later, my friend. Thanks, guys.